start by addressing some questions today. One relates to podcasts that was a few episodes ago, and the other one's directly related to what we'll be talking about tonight. The first question, question comes from John from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. John points out, there's a difference between getting lost and just simply making a wrong turn while you're hiking on a trail. Maybe you've gone down the wrong road. I do it all the time. I've been hiking for decades, and I seem to, at least two or three times a year, find myself off trail that I know of. Ha ha. He's right. John, you are absolutely right. I had it happen this weekend. My friends and I were out hiking. There's a big difference. Lost in the woods is, man, I have no idea where I'm at. As opposed to, we're on a trail, but it's not the trail we want to be on. Or what happened to me this weekend, we're on the trail, but I think we hiked past where we're supposed to be. The car isn't exactly where we expected it to be. So let me get into that scenario a little bit. This adds to our episode about getting lost in the woods exactly. Um, two things I left out of that that, believe me, this weekend ran right through my mind. First one is when you're on a trail and you realize you've either gone too far or you missed a turnoff for another trail or maybe you got onto the wrong trail, you just stop yourself, and the best thing to do to, to orient yourself, to get your bearings, hike to the last point of reference, a definitive point of reference. When you're standing on a trail surrounded by trees or looking out over a valley, it's tough to look at your map and say, oh, that's where we're at. But if you hike back to, let's say, either a road or a trail junction, it's a lot easier to do. In our case this past weekend, that happened to us. We got to a road crossing as we came to this dirt road. I started thinking at this point, our car should be parked just a hundred or so feet to my left. There's a parking area there, but not our car. So we continued to walk just a little bit further, maybe a tenth of a mile or so. And we stopped and said, okay, we're not where we're supposed to be. Let's figure this out. Well, I walked back to the road, looked at my map. Looked for roads, showed up on the map, and bang, there was a road, coal mine road. Now, here's, I'm going to make a bit of a confession. I didn't take my compass out to figure out what direction to go in. (gasps) No, I used a compass on my phone. Sorry, guys. Yeah, my compass was easy to get to. It was just in that pocket. It was right there in the pocket of my day pack. I could have easily gotten to it, but my phone was easier to reach at that time. So, yeah, I got a little lazy. Pulled out my cell phone, used a compass on my cell phone, lined it up. Then I matched it up with all trails. Everything looked good. I felt about 80% confident that was the direction to go in. We ended up walking in that direction, and yes, we were back where we needed to be, where the car was actually parked, but not where it was intended to be. Just thought I should point that out. That should have been included in my episode about staying found or not getting lost in the outdoors. Just retracing your tracks and find a definitive point of reference. Second thing, this is a habit I had during my years of hiking, section hiking the Finger Lakes Trail. There were times where I either asked for the help of someone for shuttling me to a trailhead, um, or one of my sons would drive and we'd park our cars on different points and hike from one car to the other. 
The Finger Lakes Trail, you're sometimes on dirt roads, and the trailheads don't jump out at you. They don't all have big signs that say, Welcome to the Finger Lakes Trail. So we always made it a point before we transferred any gear from one car to the other that we got out and looked around and said, Okay, this is definitely our trail. So we can park the car here or near this area and know we're going to end up at our car. What we did this weekend is we struggled to find a parking area. Now, let me just say in our defense is that we threw this together at the last minute, literally. I mean, it was, you know, it was a Sunday morning hike and we put it together Saturday night. So we really didn't have any time to really look at these parking areas very close. But we parked at what we thought was the right parking area. And this was after a few wrong turns in the cars trying to find somewhere to park. Actually, where we needed to park was further up the road, where we came out of the woods and onto the dirt road. The mistake we made is before we transferred any gear, we should have looked around and said, oh, there are the trail markers for the Loyal Sock Trail. There's where we want to be hiking. This is the place. We didn't do that, obviously, because if we had, we would have said, okay, the Loyal Sock Trail doesn't come out here. Let's take another look at our maps. No, instead, we were just excited. We parked the car, and we were ready to move on and park our second car and start hiking. So just another little bit of advice in terms of how to keep yourself, I'm not going to say from getting lost, because you're not really lost in that case, but maybe from hiking unnecessary miles. I'm not even going to say wasting time because time in the woods, it's not wasted. I, I I had fun. It didn't bother me that we hiked a little bit further or it took a little bit longer. I enjoyed it. It was more time with my friends. It was more time outside. I didn't see it as any problem. So just those two little things I probably should have thought a little bit harder about and included them. Our second question relates to tonight's topic. Vinny from Saratoga, or not no, Sarasota, Florida. Sorry about that, Vinny. Writes in, Papa Bear, you did an episode a few months ago with a friend of yours. It was about do-it-yourself gear. And I really enjoyed it. You talked about some of the things the two of you had made over the years. Whether it was finding containers that could be repurposed. And um, you talked about how you were constantly recycling different bits and pieces of old gear and finding other uses for them. And and what I really liked was when the two of you were sharing stories about making your own soda can stoves. I watched, it inspired me to watch a number of YouTubes and I started making them myself. Myself, I'm not sure what part of it I liked more. Was it buying the beer and emptying the cans or making the stoves? You've got a good point there, Vinny. There's an added bonus to making a can stove. Drink a nice cold beer and you make a stove out of it. If you make a mistake making the stove, well... Drink another beer and give it another try. But pace yourself because making the stove gets more difficult the more beer you drink. Don't ask how I know that. I just know it. Okay. Tonight, what we're going to talk about are tips for backpacking lighter and smarter. How to lighten up your, your gear. And I say backpacking, but this is also this also can be applied to bike packing, tour cycling, day hiking. These same principles could could be applied. So we talked about the soda can stove. Now, when I did my ultralight gear madness episode, I focused a lot on gear. So I don't want to beat that to death. I just want to simply touch on it by saying there are less expensive ways 
that will save you more weight to help lighten your load. And the soda can stove is one of them. Vinny from Sarasota, when you wrote me and I read this, I said, well, that, that could lead into the lighter and smarter approach. It doesn't make you a better hiker if you've got that $150 butane stove. Still going to cook your food maybe a minute or two faster than your soda can denatured alcohol stove, but they both do the same thing. So looking for ways to, and, and do it yourself doesn't mean you have to be a seamstress. It doesn't mean sewing all your gear. It sometimes just means looking around your house for repurposing items that might be smarter and also saving money, which is could be, well, I guess if you're spending more money on gear, you're lightening your load somehow. You're not carrying as much cash with you. Okay, well, on to some of our other suggestions. And this applies to overnights, multi-day trips, even more so. When you're picking out your foods, when you're packing your foods, you don't want to be hungry while you're doing that. That's like going to the supermarket before you eat dinner when you're at your hungriest. You're going to put more items in the cart. You're going to put food in there you you might not want or even need, but because you're hungry, everything's going to look better. It's best to pack your backpacking food on a full stomach. And so it's this way you can be thinking clearly. You can be looking at your items in, in terms of your, your cal- the calorie content, how much food you actually need each day. You don't want to be cutting back on the amount of food you take. That's not an area you really want to be saying, okay, well, I'm going to take a little bit less food to save some weight. But what you can do is avoid overpacking. This is an area I tend to overpack is I always come home with food. My last three years on my multi-week trips, when I come back and analyze my gear and my food, I have never, in the three years I've done my multi-trip, my multi-week trips over the past, in, in, in the past, those past three trips, I think I've never had less than maybe three days, three full days worth of food left over. So I, this is an area I need to work on. If you're hiking with a group, look at it as a team effort. If you're sharing a tent, split up the tent. Somebody carries the poles and the fly while somebody carries the body and maybe the ground sheet. That's been a formula that has worked for me when I've had to split up a tent. Um, Also, there's other things you can split up. Cook kits. Somebody can carry the pot while another person's carrying the stove or somebody carries the butane. Don't make somebody the, the work meal. Split up the gear. Downside your downsize your consumables, and by this I'm, I mean the the things that are, fall into our ten essentials or that those must bring type things that we just kind of go through as the trip goes on. Deet your bug repellent is one of those things. You don't need a super size of that. Be reasonable. Look at it and say, okay, this size is going to get me through X number of days or a week. And you should be able to calculate this. If just even over a number of day hikes, you're going to be able to gauge how much you're, of a container you're using approximately. And the same goes for sunscreen, toothpaste. You don't need the economy size tube of toothpaste for even a one month trip. I, I find I like the little travel size toothpaste. It always seems to work for me. And I get a lot of, a lot of trips out of that. First aid kits um, is another thing. 
how many band-aids do you really need? If you're going through that many band-aids over the course of a week, you probably need to get off the trail and get some medical attention. So look at how you look at look at the size or the quantity of these consumables you're taking with you. Also, repackaging items. Sometimes items, food items are notorious for this. They could be taken out of their original package and repackaged into Ziploc bags. That will save space and it'll save some, save you some weight. Look for multitask items. This is one of my favorites. Look for items that are going to be dual purpose. I don't carry one of those big multi-tools anymore. There was a time when I did. There was a time I would not think of going on a backpacking trip or even a day hike without my my multi-tool, whether it was one of those old Swiss Army knives that had all the different functions on them or later came along the, the Leatherman. I felt I needed it. But there's people who buy tents where they're able to use their hiking poles for their, to rig up their tents or to rig up a tarp. People that use socks instead of carrying gloves. Um, there's people that have, there's, I've also seen where people have ponchos that they're able to string up as a tarp, or even in some cases, they sleep under them. They're able to set them up where they actually use that as part of their sleep system. And when it comes to cookware, do you need the whole cook set? I have never fried anything on a backpacking trip, ever. I'm not judging here. I'm sure there's people that bring extra food with them and don't mind frying up a little bit of food. I never do, okay? I boil water, add it to my meal, let it rehydrate, and eat it. It's simple. I'm not suggesting, I'm not claiming that this is the way to do it. I'm just telling you what I do. And it may be what you need to do, even if you're not using my method, just evaluate your cook system. Do I need every piece of equipment that's in my cook system? Do I need a knife, fork, and spoon? Or could I get by with just the spoon? Do I need to pack the knife when all I can, all I really need is the knife on my pocket knife to cut any food items I might, I might be, uh, that might need to be cut. Look for the, you know, look to downsize or maybe just consolidate your food system, your cooking system. Um, I've seen people who will boil their water to reconstitute their meal and then use the same pot as a mug to make hot chocolate or coffee in. I usually do that. And I'm thinking about, yeah, I have one mug that I boil the water and I make my coffee in that same mug. So, you you know, take this cook system and ask yourself, what are the parts of this system that just never get used? There's some that occasionally get used, evaluated. Do I need to, you know, maybe I can get around bringing this and and, and try something different. Now, clothing becomes a a little bit different. Uh, Personally, I'm not somebody to say, all right, I'm bringing one set of clothes to wear for the whole week or two weeks. I like to have two sets of clothing. I sweat a lot in the summer or all year round. I sweat a lot. Okay. I'm a sweaty person. I like to know that every day I can put on a dry set of clothes. I bring two sets of clothes with me, not clothes for the entire trip, which means that on my summer trips on my multi-week trips, the next day I'm changing into dry clothes and my clothes from the next day, if they're still damp, I put them in a pla- I put them outside my pack where they can dry off, and they're ready for the next day. And I bring a cha- you know, I bring a, I bring a dedicated set of clothing, very light clothing that I wear to bed. 
and that stays in with my sleeping bag, so it can be. I know it's going to be dry, and it also serves as a guaranteed layer of clothing that if everything gets wet and I need something dry to wear. Sometimes I've even used the clothes I'm going to wear into town as my sleep clothes because I'm only in them overnight. It's not that big a deal. Think small, okay? Don't be thinking, again, this goes back to, you don't need the economy size bottle of Tabasco sauce if you're somebody who likes to add Tabasco sauce to your to your meals. You, you can repackage it. You could get some of these small containers. I've seen people that take the, the economy size or travel size um, eye drop containers and reuse those to to put item to put. I saw somebody put olive oil in them once, and they said, "Yeah, I only use a few drops of olive oil on my food. I don't need the whole bottle." Um, that's just one idea of it. You could put Tabasco sauce in those small bottles. Again, you're not just saving weight here; you're you're saving space. And I'm somebody I also like to pack tight. I like to keep my not just the weight, but the the volume uh, nice and tight and be prepared for the dark if it if you find yourself hiking in the dark if you find yourself in that situation and for me this has really only been an issue on day hikes at night when i'm hiking on multi-day trips it's easier to gauge and plan out pace out what time you're going to arrive at a campsite i'm not saying there aren't situations where you can be can be slowed down it could happen but you should always have your flashlight, your water bottles, uh, and I would say even your water filter located somewhere in your pack where it's easy to get to. Now, this falls into the category of packing smarter. I always like to have those things in the top pocket of my backpack. Uh, my top pocket, I have my headlamp, first aid kit, toiletry kit, and my filter. I keep those things there because they're quick to get to. And if I need to get to, and and if there is an emergency and I need to get to them fast or if it's dark, they're easy to find. These are just a few of the tips that I have. I'm sure there's others out there and I'd really like to hear some of them. So feel free to go to papabearhikes.com and contact us and tell us about what you're doing to hike lighter and smarter. Make sure you visit the website at papabearhikes.com. If you like this and you're able to give us a like, Please feel free to leave a comment. The weather's becoming awesome. It's spring. Get out there. Do some do something fun and awesome.
This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.